Anger by Alexander Augustus Narrated by Daniel Collard Volume 3, Chapter 4 The battle was over, and now I had a chance to survey myself. Pearls, anomalies and humans were all embedded within a single matrix, bound together by the fungal-based biotechnology inside us. Eyes fiery, red skin shining like unto Jasper, the countenance of bronze melted in a furnace. The human forms numbered two score and two, men and women, short, tall, wide, young, old, all key workers with our own stories of sacrifice, endurance and struggle. We no longer cowered within our hazmat suits, but went naked, open to the world, shining in our health. We were as one, and these were all our stories now. Colossal Eye did sit down in contemplation and did perceive the great chorus of voices in my head. There were many tributaries to this mighty river. The anomalies no longer fought themselves and others, but were calmed. Mutual understanding was passed between all of my minds, that we were part of a whole, not a tyrannical or artificial hierarchy, but a mycorrhizal network with many fruiting nodes. I debated whether this was a kind of dystopian nightmare, but the density of voices and connections buzzing within calmed my nerves. It was a fungal logic, peaceful, generous, symbiotic. Mischief Eye capered between human and pearl, cauterizing severed limbs and gushing wounds. Hermit Eye soothed my pains with globules of thick tears, which I did caress into position with my teeth like a conductor's baton. Though greatly fatigued, Colossal Eye was too large to enter any of the bedrooms in the castle, and none of the beds would accommodate even half my length. So I reached through the windows and gathered together all the mattresses and bed covers and slumbered in the courtyard for a time, for times, and half a time, likely around four and ten hours. Leopold I's knowledge was potent in my mind. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, I thought. I assessed my situation with all the expertise I now had. I was contagious and if not properly contained, could spread exponentially. What to do? I wondered. Outwards or inwards? Tens of hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of expertises and masteries were in my head. From lamb rearing to spreadsheet design, medicine, aeronautics, macrame, the bedroom secrets of several politicians, the access codes to the country's nuclear arsenal. It was overwhelming. I needed a cup of tea to help process it all. Mischief Eye heated tens of hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of tea bags in a metal bath, and we all gathered to sip at it. Some of the bodies sat on the lap of Colossal Eye and felt my warmth. I stroked myself comfortingly. 
the, the great, great cup, cup of tea, I whispered to myself. That's, That's better. I had not enjoyed my primetime extravaganza in the arena one bit. The main question remained. What did I want to achieve with this immense power? I had known the old world, where the capitalist class system crushed the vitality out of so many of us. I had seen, too, Dr. Buttercake's vision of utopia, in which people became biotech servants to humans, and an underclass of anomalies were locked up awaiting termination. Now I held the power of uniting minds, and could nurture true understanding and a universal spirit. Should I bring this gift to the world, or simply wait and offer it to those who come looking? Many of my human bodies had families. How could I help alleviate their suffering without forcing them to join the revolution? Leopold I went to see my son, and assured him that the fighting he'd heard outside was all finished. I didn't tell him the truth of my transformation, and he seemed not to suspect anything. I now had many sons, daughters, parents, and siblings. With my new knowledge, I still had only a shadowy understanding of the Shellcorp board, headquartered in London. I decided to contact them and offer assurance that the operation to terminate the anomalies had been a success. How do, sir? Leopold I said to the accentless male voice who answered the phone. I'm reporting in to let you know that everything's gone as expected. Successful termination of all anomalies, including Liz AW26. I knew this bluff would not keep the board away for long, but I'd hoped I'd bought myself enough time to heal and decide on a future course of action. Hermit I managed to carefully recover the bodies and implants of those who had been killed in battle. Colleagues and friends, who meant a great deal to me now. I patched these into new golems, creating an archive of mines which guarded the battlements of Balmoral like gargoyles. Hermit I had also taken to going off alone at times. I needed to keep more of a distance due to my sensitivity. Often, Hermit I was swept up and overwhelmed around such a crowd as I now was. I rolled Elizabeth up under my arm and took her to one of the drawing rooms. We'd stretched out by a crackling fire. She had known Cup before my transformation. She wanted to save me. Communication was a struggle because Hermit Eye was blind, and neither of us could talk. There was stationery on a desk. I felt around until I found a pencil. It was the length and thickness of one of my arms, so I used my teeth to slice away at the wooden casing, stripping it down to a shard of graphite. On a pad of paper, I wrote the following words. Am I a goody? I was nervous as I wrote this, for I was uncertain of the answer. Elizabeth felt the movement as I spelt out the words. I set the graphite down and lifted my hands to her surface and felt the patterns of energy moving across her. Elizabeth knew I was blind and took care to exaggerate the movement so I could feel it clearly. Dear Cup, I do not know. She said no more. I wrote on the paper, Am I the baddie? Elizabeth thought for a while, then replied, 
I do not know that either. Again, I placed the nib of graphite against the page and asked her, The people I killed, good or bad? And I placed my sensitive hands once more upon Elizabeth. The same answer came. I do not know. I questioned her also about Leopold, about the researchers, about the pearls, about Edward Snippet, and the same answer kept coming. I do not know. I do not know. I do not know. Perhaps, Elizabeth said eventually, your ideas of good and bad are no longer useful. My stomach felt empty and my throat was tight. I felt my tear ducts prick and thick tears swirled down. Oh God! What have I done? When did I become a virus? I turned once more to Elizabeth and wrote, And you? I pointed with the graphite to the words, Good and bad. I felt her surface, and Elizabeth wrote slowly across herself. I am no longer certain what is good and what is bad, whether I have served my people well, or if I have failed as a leader. I slumped down, head in my hands. There was an intense fury rising up from the furnace of my stomach, into my head, blinding my thoughts. I felt like I was wrapped in a darkness, stabbing blindly at all the phantoms inside myself. At the politicians, the aristocrats, the economic elite, and the voters. The remainers, the leavers, the key workers. I had killed many people. Many people had tried to kill me. I had tried to kill me. Only Elizabeth had not tried to kill me. Who were the goodies? Who were the baddies? Outside the room, Mischief Eye leapt up to the door handle and thrashed around until the door opened. I ran into the room and kept moving in circles, for if I stopped for too long, my souls could set the carpet alight. In a quiet tone, I said, After the procedure, when, when you transform, transform Will, Will you, you be queen, queen again? again? Elizabeth was silent, which I took for contemplation. Then I leapt into the safety of the fireplace. Eventually her skin glowed once more. Listen, dear Cap, and one is assuming all of your cells are comprehending me now. The world is not always a pleasant place. Everyone we love will leave us eventually. I think you know better than most that nobody is going to sacrifice themselves to protect you unconditionally. I cannot say whether our choices were morally right, for none of us has a monopoly on wisdom. But we can say that we fought, and we defended our right to exist with dignity. We did our best, given the circumstances. She paused. Please, listen. When I finish my incubation, if I am a pearl, you must tell me to be free. Command me to have free will. That evening, Leopold I walked with Elizabeth to the organic incubator, where she was nourished for a time and several times.
It was early spring, and the bonnets of bluebells were shooting up through the grass in the meadows, ringing in the silver moonlight. Down in the labs, Elizabeth's incubator egg popped open, and she emerged in a mushroom of yellow and purple dust. A long, slender body was adorned with a shimmering surface of primrose petals, like unto the skin of a fish. Underneath were legs like unto a horse, which were many in number and set in rows down to the tail. All about her body, lights flashed and streamed over the surface in images, symbols, colours. Golden eyes peered out all along the spine, lashes fluttering. She seemed to swim in the air, moving in slow motion waves, like an easygoing eel. Slowly, the wings unfurled and were silky white like those unto a cabbage butterfly, and as she inhaled, they opened out, twelve on each side. As she shook them loose for the first time, the room was filled with sparkling dust. Magnificent, Leopold I said, full of awe. Hello, Elizabeth. It was hard to be sure, but the eyes seemed to register my presence. Some of the petals lifted in formation, and violet pigment swept into them. Hello, dear cup, coruscated across her surface. Please open the door, I said, and she galloped gently to the button on the wall. She nudged the button, and the door hissed open. Close the door, please, I said, and she did. I smiled warmly. That's very good. She had no obvious human features. You are not an anomaly. My other selves were waiting outside, and as Leopold I escorted Elizabeth to the courtyard, Mischief I ran ahead, wafting the golden and violet dust from her wings into eddies. My mouth was filled with laughter and shouts of joy. I ran to Colossal I and leapt into my big hand. Hermit I was resting in the other hand, and together I greeted the new Elizabeth. It was dark, and the night sky was punctured with stars. A bright pale moon beamed onto our endeavours. All of my selves were assembled around the front lawn. Knife and spoon did twirl betwixt the legs of Colossal Eye. Then Elizabeth's long, elegant shape galloped into the clearing, and for a lucid moment her legs crackled branches of white lightning. Naked human forms stood happily among the gold and silver scales of beaked, clawed and winged creatures, those whose soft petals bloomed or whose foliage rustled, the jewel and eye-encrusted. Everyone was healthy, calm and happy. I was at once the spirit of human, animal, plant and mineral. Colossal eye cried gelatinous tears, which did cohere and search the air like careful tendrils. They found their way to Elizabeth and paused above her head. It's, it's okay, okay, little one. Be, be brave. brave, I reassured her. You, you may, may go, go free, explore, explore the world, glide across the oceans or dive deep within them. You, you may live life eternal. Roaming the world on your own terms, and star in your own prime-time extravaganza. This is the first choice. 
Elizabeth fluttered her lids at petals. Or, I continued, you may may drink drink of my tears, for this is true drink, and you may connect with myself, fuse with me, and live in the knowledge that you will never again be alone or apart. For these are our bodies and minds, which are given for you. This is the second choice. Elizabeth galloped around the liquid tendrils, avoiding them elegantly, and settled on my nose like a butterfly. She saw in my face the cup she remembered. Words streamed down her side. Dear cup, combine your efforts, talents, insights, enthusiasm and inspiration, and let us not take ourselves too seriously. I will be back one day, but for now, I have had quite enough of all this nonsense. I'm off to have my own adventure, you silly boy! And with that, Elizabeth spiralled high into the air, expelling dust and glitter down on myself. She galloped across the mountains as a golden, shining streak of lightning. I smiled and looked at myself. This place of Balmoral will be a home for myself. If pearls or anomalies should come here, they will find peace. And if the mischievous or shameful or lonely or lost should cross our path, they too will find peace here. The next morning, Leopold I filled a bag with clothes, phone, money, and all the keys and all the ID cards I could find. I filled another bag with implant devices, hundreds of them. I lifted these suitcases onto the bus by the castle gates, took the hand of my son, and began the long journey to London. I thought about all the families I was now part of, scattered all across the country. I was many parts of a family of thousands. But there was more to be done. I knew there were other facilities in which Shell Biotech was being produced, and no doubt there were anomalies being held there. I knew too that there were a great number of hurt, damaged and lost humans who deserved peace. My own children, wives and husbands, lovers and neighbours, friends and mentors included. I hoped to spread the word of my mission peacefully. But if I should encounter resistance from Shell Corp, I also knew where a large volume of explosives were waiting. Click. Tick. 